Hello and welcome to The Tangent Tree. My name is Samantha Stephen. My name is Simon Dillon. Uh, and today we're talking about something which I'm super excited to share with you at home. Um, so let me start by introducing this topic. Every time this is brought up, when I used to work in the same office as Simon, he would genuinely tear up. His chin would quiver and he would be unable to really talk well about this subject and i don't know how we're going to do this podcast I'm i don't i don't I'm think absolutely that's true. intrigued yes it is it's not true okay so today we're talking about et the extraterrestrial <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well to be fair okay so so to be fair i don't i don't think that's entirely accurate uh, i don't know you're I think already I can, your I eyes can, are getting watery no, no, no. Are <laughs> my yes, eyes are, are not getting watery <laughs> they are not um, hey look your wife will back me up on this okay so here's okay, well i think i think context is necessary okay uh, then here. give us give us your okay. journey with eating okay so well first of all um i want to just let's as as a, as a foundation for this let's simply say because et is regardless of my personal attachment to it a, an undisputably great film it is great it is brilliantly directed it is brilliantly acted the screenplay is amazing the you know music score everything else about it is brilliant on a, on a technical level everything about it is brilliant it makes you care about it a is, puppet more than I, any I, I would, I would still say that you know even objectively and coldly i'd say it's steven spielberg's best film but let's be honest, you cannot be objective or cold about this film. No, I can't. But I'm just saying this as a, as a, as a sort of preface. As a, as, a, as a preface. Now, the reality is this. Steven Spielberg's E.T. for me was like a Damascus Road moment. Okay. It was my conversion to cinema. But now, you've said this before about another film. You said this about Reservoir Dogs. No, no, that was a Damascus. It was a sim. It wasn't the same. Wasn't so why the, is this more important? Because it is. Okay, the Reservoir Dogs thing was more to do with uh, when I said that was a Damascus Road moment. It had a big impact. Okay, is what I mean. But this is different. But this is this is much more profound. Okay, to me at that at that the Reservoir Dogs is a sort of minor Damascus Road moment. This is a major, well, the biggest, I would say. Um, because because what you got to understand, I mean, this was not the first film I had ever seen. I saw, I was seven years old when it came out on the original 1982 release. I remember my first awareness of E.T. as a film was seeing um, the trans, glowy transfer stickers that were on the back of the Shreddies packets. That was my first, that was, um, oh, look, this is this, this you know, and, and I asked my dad, what's that? Oh, it's a film that's come out, a very popular film called E.T. And, oh, can we go and see it? And, oh, I don't know. We'll see. And um, so that was my introduction to E.T., but I got the I would nevertheless cut the scenes out from the cardboard on the back of the cereal box and stick the glow in the dark stickers on and glow in the dark, which was really cool. Yeah. They were really cool. Yeah. And and that was my opening awareness of the film. Um, now, I had at that point in my life, I had seen um, the Railway Children. I had seen The Sound of Music and Mary Poppins. And I had seen the first film which I ever saw in the cinema was on a re-release for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the Disney film. And all of those I had enjoyed. OK, Um and in the case of Snow White, the cinema, that was a, an amazing, my first ever trip to the cinema, that was an amazing. But this was not the trip that really converted me to cinema, okay? If, if it, you know, it was, you know, this was, I had to describe it as a Damascus Road moment. It was, to say, almost like a religious experience because it was, what E.T. did, and actually I've analysed it so much in the years since because I'm not going to get into this in this podcast, but personal things that had happened in my life up to that point that really resonated on a profound psychological level and I only can, I'm still making sense of it even today. Um, with E.T., um, I, I sat there and I was 
from the word go, I mean, the, the, the film starts and you've got that incredible wordless opening sequence where the aliens are on the on in the forest and they're and they're looking around and they're you know gathering plant samples and you know et wanders off a bit too far from the the spaceship okay and then the scientists appear and you know they get him in the glare of their headlights and then he has that is that horrible moment where he he screams because he's got to run back to the ship and there's that and it's all from his point of view and the whole film by the way is shot from a child's eye point of view pretty much there's not actually a full shot of an adult until much later in the film i mean pretty much the final act it's all from a child's point of view and he's running through the undergrowth and being chased by the scientists honestly i was on the edge of my seat my stomach was in knots i desperately i was terrified and i desperately 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 wanted him to get back to the ship even though i knew he wasn't going to because then there would be no film and i remember being it was out of body experience terrifying okay i mean i was i i don't know why i was so scared by it it was a primal experience and i think that when the ship takes off and everything and and i remember when it cuts to the next scene where elliot and his friends are introduced i just i remember feeling so relieved that I was in a normal, unscary scene after that incredible prologue. Yes. Because what 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 that scene does is, and I didn't I I didn't think about it in these terms at the time when I saw the film, but I remember being really impressed that there was no dialogue in it. I remember being really impressed that the whole thing was being told visually, and that there and that just really blew me away. So I think at that point alone, I, I okay, I am now a convert to cinema. Okay, yes. and. There were others, and, and and what impressed me a lot about E.T. in the opening scenes was actually just how scary it was. I mean, you know, when he goes out with a torch and he finds him in the hedge and E.T. kind of does the thing where it kind of leaps out and they scare each other, you know. And that was genuinely unsettling. I thought, I, blimey, I'm not sure. I, I mean, okay, so, I mean, I'm no worse, but I remember being finding it really frightening. Yeah. And um, the other thing about E.T., which is interesting, because of course he then leads, leaves the trail of sweets and E.T. comes and they make friends and so on and so on. Um was how deliberately ugly he was. And and he was, as Spielberg said, a creature that only a mother could love. Yes. And I think that's very, very clever how they do that because, because the, the film, in a sense, is about morally, you know, don't judge a person by how they look but by the content of their character. It's that message, not in a heavy-handed, you know, bludgeoning you over the head in a preachy way, but it's inherent in the story. It's And it is, in that sense, the E.T. is not a science fiction film. It's a fairy tale. Okay. And it's actually a love story. And you have this incredible love story that develops. Okay, I am welling up now. Okay, between this boy and this alien. And the the key scene in the film actually occurs very, very early on because what that film is about is about the pain of divorce. It's about Spielberg's parents who divorced. Yes. Okay. And he's been, you know, to be honest, all of his films are about that in some way. <laughs> yeah. Most of them, not all of them. Most of them have kind of, even Jurassic Park, blink and you miss it. There's a, a little line at the start. Oh, is the, the grandchildren, her parents are getting, her parents are getting a divorce, you know, he just throws that in there. But, um, family disintegration is a key theme for Spielberg. And there's that brilliant scene early in the film where they're at dinner and it starts out as a very, very funny scene where you know and it ends with him saying you know his his and this is the other thing about love at et is like children use bad language and swear as they naturally would but back in the 80s that was allowed in new certificate films okay yes. and um you know and he calls his he ends up calling his brother penis breath do you remember? <laughs> and it's really funny yeah. and obviously he doesn't know what he's saying but it's hilarious <laughs> and um and then that scene so that scene's hilarious and then it turns okay on a brilliant line where he just sits there and he says dad would believe me 
because yeah. he's trying to convince his brother and sister that there's an alien out there in the you know he says dad would believe me and then his mother says um maybe you ought to call your father and tell him about it and he just looks up at her and he's just and this is again how it's brilliant how cruel children can be and insensitive of other people's feelings you know i can't he's in mexico with sally you yes. know and his mum gets upset and then his brother's angry because they've he's upset his mom, they've, yeah. his, his, and so and and it's just, the dynamics of that scene i just thought oh my goodness me this is this is what i call what spielberg does best it's grounded fantasy because it's a, a universally relatable family situation in into which this alien comes okay and that's so you've got a broken family and I, now, I did, my parents were not divorced, okay, but there was something that had happened, I'm not going to say what, there were things that had happened in my life at that point which were very, very traumatic and tumultuous. And in a sense, I, I you know, I identified with that straight away. And so, you know, forgive me for being personal. So, it's the lack of safety that you normally would associate with a, a whole family atmosphere. Well, exactly. And so what then happened was i mean again a lot of this is you gotta understand i didn't realize any of this at the time it was all kind of if you did it would be a little bit odd. i know i was sort of it's all sort of you know in retrospect i've sort of analyzed this and obviously as the film progresses it's very entertaining it's very exciting it's very funny it's you know it's got all the sort of things that you would want in that kind of a drama and one of the interesting elements to it by the way is the there's a christian allegory in there too so you've got i mean i know people have bored people to tears with this but there is a, it is a christ allegory you've got you know an essentially supernatural being coming to earth you know bringing healing you know and you've got and not just a, it's physical healing so there's miracles you know so like the, when he touches his fingertip and heals the cut but obviously the bigger miracles like when he flies the bike yeah and you've got um the emotional healing because of the absence of the father and the surrogate father in a sense but also a, a, as a coming of age story with elliot and and what i think happens is and then obviously you have the death and the resurrection okay and is it's it's interesting because i think it's understated but it's there and i think well it's actually not really very understated it's it's pretty trans- it is very it's, blunt. it's 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 pretty blatant <laughs> but um but i but so that's interesting too um on a spiritual level but i think that for me the sheer exhilaration of some of the iconic sequences, the bike flying past the moon and so on, and all of that's wonderful. And then, okay, all of that I remember vividly. Then a strange thing happens. The scene where E.T. starts to get sick and the scientists turn up at his house, and I remember vividly the scene where um, the older brother tells the mother, finally the secret's going to be revealed, you know, because they've been hiding E.T. in the cupboard. And he finally, you know, he's going he's gonna to tell, tell, tell. And... Uh, at that point, blank. I can't remember anything. I just rem- my memory goes blank. I have this blackout in my head of, of 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 what happened. I can't remember anything. The next thing I remember is that rather amusing scene where ET's come back to life. And by the way, spoilers. I'm sorry if any of you have not seen ET, stop listening. Just go and watch it. Honestly, <laughs> you why are you seen even? It at this why are you even listening? Go and see it. Okay, you know. And um, so ET comes back to life. And it's it's very funny because, you know, Spielberg's had you crying one minute, but he's got you laughing the next because it's great emotional manipulation where he's pretending to cry. Do you remember? Yes. And, and uh, you know, <laughs> that whole thing is hilarious. That's the next thing I remember. And then, obviously, the other thing I remember after that point is the superb final chase on the bikes. And I remember I needed the loo really badly at that stage. So I was kind of, my dad was kind of like, do you want to nip out and go to the loo? And You're I like, said, nope. I said, no. And he said, well, if you just go out quickly, you won't miss anything important. And I, and I didn't. 
and I, I didn't say this or articulate this in this way, but I knew instinctively that if it was unimportant, the editor would have cut it out of the film. Oh, you know, yeah. I knew instinctively that I was in the hands of an absolute master. That Spielberg, there was not one frame of superfluous film in this. Yes. these thirty-five millimeter reels that were unspooling before me at that point on this cinema screen. I knew that I, I couldn't miss a frame of it. And indeed, not only... So I insisted, even though I needed the loo and I was doing this, I insisted on sitting through <laughs> the entire ending. And then when the credits rolled, I insisted on sitting through the entire credits because the music is... John Williams's music score was so magnificent. I mean, I to this day... I would argue John Williams's music in E.T. is the greatest thing he's ever done. I think, I mean, don't, and that's high praise. That is I, high praise. I mean, I think that John Williams obviously is just stupidly good as a composer. And you could make that argument, by the way, for any number of his scores. You could make it for Schindler's List. You could make it for Close Encounters. You could make it for Star Wars, Superman, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Harry Potter, you know, Hook. You could make it for, there are so many great scores he's done. But I think that, in, and he's even done, I mean, Hook's an interesting one because I don't think the rest of the film is up to that standard of, you know, the film's not great but the score is amazing but in the case of et it really did the quality of the film matched the score and i think that um just listen to the last 15 minutes of the et score and look how i have never seen a more perfect fusion of music and image in it's operatic yeah okay and the moment where the bikes take off and fly at the end of that sequence for the second time honestly it is the single most exhilarating moment in cinema history you know i honestly i can't you know I can't I can't think of a sequence that's more exhilarating. Yeah. The, you know, the closest I would say has come to it for me would be, you know, Luke Skywalker blowing up the Death Star. Yeah. The end of Star. That's the close Spoilers. second. <laughs> I know. Sorry, just ruined another. Um but you know, for me, those those would be the top two. But ET is ahead for me because it just the sheer the deli- the emotional goods that that sequence delivers is absolutely magnificent. And I think the other thing as well about the film is that it, you know, when in any obviously he goes back at the end. A lot of people cry and think that's sad, but it's kind of an up cry because it felt right. You know, it feels right. And again, you've got the sort of Christian allegory about well, the because Jesus. Because now going up he's to with his family. Yes. And that I think you do need to see because yes. you once again you have the whole family unit that will protect him, keep him safe where he is known and understood. Yes. So if he gets sick again, they can help. But you know what's interesting too about that, and I want to come back to the sequence that I blacked out. Okay. Years later, because that film wasn't released on VHS for many years, and um, at least in the UK... And I'm assuming you've seen it again several oh, times yeah, since. I've lost count of the number of times I've seen it now, but the point is that I, ha- I watched it in 1982, and then I didn't see it until 1989 on VHS, at a much older age. And, um, you know, well, actually much older. I was 13, 14, whatever. Yes. And then, only then did I... See, when I see the sequence where the scientists invade their home... Okay, and they're on sort of hazmat, you know, and you've got this... It's terrifying. Absolutely terrifying and deeply traumatic. And I didn't remember any of this. I blacked it out. It was so traumatic. I black, You know, the memory can do that. It will black out traumatic events, mm-hmm. okay? It was so traumatic. And actually, I watched it, and I, it was... It was, abs- it was as, a, as a, you know, 13, 14-year-old, it was absolutely horrendously traumatic watching them trying to bring E.T. back to life with the, you know, and you, the, the performances of the children in that scene. I don't think they're acting. No. You know, I think there's genuinely trauma. And, and, and what's interesting is it will make me cry every single time I watch it without fail. I can't, I can't help it. I just, it just does. Well, it's like you say, Spielberg and, uses the, the perspective of children throughout the film. Yes. So you're so used to looking at it from that perspective that yes. when that scene happens, 
the adults think they're helping. Yes. But the children don't think but that's you, the case. You know, and therefore, you feel like the children. In psychologically, that. it's very clever on, on two levels. Firstly, the original version of the script, they were going to take E.T. off to a hospital. Spielberg said, no, invade the home. So you've got this, what ought to be a safe area, okay, a safe space. <laughs> you know, the home, the familiar, the comfortable is invaded by this. It's invasive. And it turns it into this, you know, antiseptic nightmare. Yeah. Okay. And then when E.T. is dying and they're trying to bring him back, the children, as a, from a child's perspective, you've got all this medical paraphernalia and things going on, but they can't understand it. And, and Elliot's screaming, you're killing him, you're killing him. It's like the crucifixion. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? It's like, oh my goodness, it's so traumatic. And, and um, you know, it just, it jabs so many clever psychological raw nerves. And... Yeah, I blacked it out. And I asked my parents about it. I said, did, you know, I don't remember this bit at all. And and they said, you know, when you saw that when you were seven in the cinema, you, said you were beside yourself. Yeah. You would not be comforted. You were just in complete floods and completely, you know. And apparently I don't remember any of that. So I don't have, have no recollection of that at all in, you know, I remember everything else about the film vividly, but not that section. And so, yeah, it's an interesting one. Um Interesting, interesting too. As I said, there are, there are a number of other things about the film that are personally significant that I that I won't get into in this podcast. I just want to say one one other thing in closing. Okay, um, it's very very funny. So some of the lines in it, like how do you explain school to higher intelligence? I think the screenplay is brilliant. In fact, let me end on this: Melissa Matheson, the late great Melissa Matheson, who she wrote. She is she is to the world of screenplays what Harper Lee was to the world of novels. Okay, you know, she she wrote... I was going to say she wrote one great thing. That's unfair because she actually wrote a few. She she uh, Melissa Matheson wrote um, The Black Stallion, which is another terrific children's film. I love The Black Stallion. And she also did more recently The BFG, the, the, the Roald Dahl adaptation, which, by the way, I really liked. I know the, Which one? The Spielberg BFG, which I know was not big in America, but, but, but it was very popular over here. And I actually really like it. And I love the Roald Dahl book. And I think they did a great work, great, great work with it. But Melissa Matheson re- pretty much retired and did a bunch of other things, but Spielberg tempted her out of retirement to do the BFG, and then she died of cancer, and the film was dedicated to her, the BFG. Yes. But, but Melissa Matheson, as far as I'm concerned, is the unsung hero of E.T. She wrote an absolutely superb screenplay, which also, by the way, had enough room for collaboration with the children so that they were there was a lot of improvisation on the set as well. And that's what I was going to say. I think that it sounds like she's someone who wrote from the perspective of a child in a respectful way and not condescending. Of course. that's what always struck me about E.T. is it was incredibly respectful and kind of in awe of the childlike approach to life. Well, also, the other thing that's interesting about it is um, if you look at the making of the film, she was on set the whole time with the children and they would discuss improvisation with her. And some of the stuff that's in the film is just take one of the children improvising. You know that scene where, where Elliot is talking to E.T. about his toys? He's improvised that entire... It's all take one. Yeah. He's improvised that entire thing, talking about, you know, you put the money in the peanut, and the, which is the, you know, the piggy bank, well, the piggy bank, peanut bank thing, and bringing out his Star Wars figures and his shark thing and all of that. That's all improvised. Yeah. Or the scene where Gertie says, you know, I don't like his feet. That's her line. Well, and I think Drew Barrymore you in know, that film is... is- unbelievable because that's yeah. was that her first yes no 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 it wasn't her first she was in the in uh, the howling i think with uh, she was in she was in um a couple of other things 
Was she in The Howling? I can't remember. She was in a horror film, a couple of other bits and pieces before that. But I think but, she is unbelievable as a I, child actor. Yes. Flipping it. Oh, she's amazing. I mean, and, and but all three, Henry Thomas is amazing. You should see Henry Thomas's audition. You can see it on the on the on the special features on the Blu-ray of, of the ET. His audition is incredible. Yes. And um, Henry Thomas is brilliant. Drew Barrymore is brilliant. Now, who, tell you who else is brilliant? Robert McNaughton, who plays the older brother. He doesn't get much credit. Now, he is brilliant too. Mm. He does the older brother thing perfectly you know and i love that and again a lot of humor i love the way you know he he's really sarcastic to him and kind of says certain things that are just so older brother you know anyone who's ever had an older sibling will knows what that's you know like. and 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 i love that about him and i love um and again uh you know a d wallace playing the mother again you know desperately sad woman who's holding it together as a single mother and then you have um you know Peter Coyote character, who ostensibly is the, well, I don't say the villain, but he's the antagonist in the story. He's, you know, he's, for most of the film, you just see the pair of jangling keys at his side as he's closing in with the NASA scientists on where E.T. is. But then at the end of the, in, in you know, in Act 3, he's revealed as actually, this guy is, um, or rather towards the end of Act 2, he's revealed, you know, this guy is not a bad guy. And, you know, he's the, and essentially, he's the sort of adult in the story who's come in and said, you know, he he always wanted a visit from an extraterrestrial when he was a kid and it never happened. And he's, there's that sense of, you know, is this all that there is? Is there nothing more, you know? And then he talks to Elliot and he has that lovely little scene where he's like, you know, I'm glad he met you first. It's very, very beautiful. You're right, I am willing up. It's terrible, <laughs> isn't it? No, but I think it's um, wonderful. I Like I said earlier, I think it's that juxtaposition between the adult perspective and the childhood yeah. perspective and also the power of children to not lull you into a full sense of security, but make you remember what it was like to be a child. Yes. And I think um, we'll do a separate podcast on Spielberg, but I think Spielberg has a knack. As an adult, he remembers what it was like to be a child yes. really well. Oh, yes. Yeah, Spiel- and he puts that through on camera. But Spielberg's talent with children is, you know, he has to, I mean, if you look at the performances he's got out of people like, um, you know, Christian Bale in Empire of the Sun, for example, when he was just unbelievably yeah. good. And Haley Joel Osment in AI, and, and, and there are others. But I do think that, and, and you can see his talent even in as early as films like Jaws, you know, with, with, with and Close Encounters. But I do think for me, E.T. is the absolute pinnacle of that Spielberg's, you know, and it is for me. I mean, it's no, no, it's no um, mistake that at one point in the story, his mother is reading to Gertie's reading Peter Pan. Yeah, you know, and they're listing. And and again, that's no, that you know, it's just a shame that when Spielberg did actually try and make Peter Pan, I think I don't think Hook is a great film. I, think I that, love Hook. Well, I don't think it is. I think that the only thing that's great about Hook is the music score. But um, we can talk about that another time. We but can. I think, but I think that E.T. is Steven Spielberg's Peter Pan. It's an amazing film. Uh, but the reason I think it is so strong is because of his understanding of what it was like to be a child and his ability to remember because obviously Peter Pan is all about forgetting yeah but you see Spielberg made E.T. was a very personal film for Spielberg he didn't but it became a, a well, it became the, the, at that time the highest grossing film of all time it was a huge huge hit it was bigger than Star Wars yeah it was huge but it was actually you know a very personal film so he sort of ironically he didn't intend it to be that big but it was that big in the end and you know, I love that it. I, the, the sad thing is, I don't think it would be if it was released today, no. unfortunately. And I think that, I think that um, 
with with the children who are and again there's something about the it's the empowerment of children as well you know they're out on their bikes and they're doing that you know and and i think that and without safety helmets and without you know <laughs> if, if if you'll forgive me for sounding old gittish about it you know back in back in the day when children could play outside and blah blah no you know it's a lovely film and i i um I know some people hate it. I know some people can't, you know, think it's saccharine and sentimental or whatever. They have all kinds of, you know, honestly, if that's if, if that's how you feel about E.T., I feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. I don't even, I'm not angry. I just feel sorry for you. If, if you, you know, if you can't see the beauty in it, it's, it's an incredibly lovely film. I think I, there's something super special that you get watching it as a child. Though. There is. But you see, I know that as an adult, if I was to watch it today, having never seen it, I would feel I wouldn't have the same personal connection to it. But I would think it was object, which is what I started the podcast with. Objectively, it is a totally, totally, totally brilliant film. And you look at all the critics, all the critics raved about it. You know, they bear me out. And obviously it's as revered now as it was then. So it is a genuinely great film on every conceivable level. I'll just say this in closing, um, that, uh, that I think that it doesn't, you know, God forbid that there is ever a sequel. Yeah. Okay, and God or, for, a remake. or a remake because you know. Did you know? I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Spielberg and Robert Zemeckis, by the way, have got written into their contracts or whatever that there is not allowed to be a remake of ET or Back to the Future in their lifetime. That's awesome. Yeah, and please God, let there never be one. It 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 just it's an abs- It's a, it is a genuinely sacred text. Should never be touched. I know it will never be repeated, uh, and yeah, I love it. No, that's awesome. I think that's a great place to end it. So um, if you watched E.T. and you felt the same or maybe you felt different, you should definitely let us know. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Simon may become passionate in his response, but hey, that's the risk that you take when you live around or near Simon's aura. (laughs) (laughs) So make sure that you contact us on our Facebook page, Twitter, or go to our website, www.com thetangenttree.com let us know how you feel what you think um and what you'd like to say about this film and also let us know what you'd like us to talk about in the future but from me sam and from me simon uh we will hear from you and speak to you next time on the tangent tree